Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. All right, so welcome to another awesome episode of Inside the Vault with Ash Cash. Um, I can't even say I'm excited about this interview. I'm more than excited because the person that we have is I, I consider a living legend, right? And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm giving him all this pressure. I'm going to put the pressure on him, right? Living legend, uh, somebody that I've watched online, uh, you know, for many years, change lives, right? Somebody that I've watched, he's your influencer's influencer, right? Uh, somebody who's built a movement uh, from scratch and really, you know, built a, 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 a conglomerate, if you say. But what intrigues me most about this young man is the mindset, right? This is somebody who is a master manifester. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Julian Gordon. What's up, brother? What's going on, brother? Happy to be here. Thank pleasure, you. pleasure, <laughs> pleasure, pleasure. Mr. Multi-family, Mr. Master Manifester. Um, I know I, 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 you know, I did that on purpose. I gave you a lot of pressure. I, I put a lot of pressure on you, but I want you to tell me and tell the people who, if they never heard of Julian Gordon, who is Julian Gordon? Yeah, so, I mean, you captured it. Um, I explain my work through my purpose and the reason I'm here. That's why God created me. And uh, I have heavenly work and I have earthly work. Um, my earthly work, many people know me that, for that, which is Mr. Multifamily, helping people buy their first multifamily home, um, leading the multifamily movement, have thousands of students going through that process with me. Um, we reach, recently reached 100 closings on properties across the country. And so if you multiply that out by 100 closings, uh, triplexes, 300 doors, uh, $300 per door um, together, my students are bringing in a million dollars in cash flow every single year forever wow. right and so this movement has just got started but um my real work is actually my heavenly work and that's where financial spirituality and rich righteous rich and righteous comes in um and that's really uh retraining people's minds to move from poverty consciousness to wealth consciousness and so i'm really excited about that as the book is on its way to coming out and uh, i believe that that's going to have a huge impact on our community and how we think about and relate to money Mm, I love it. I love it. And so I, I want to backtrack a little bit, right? Because, um, you know, I know that, you know, I, I call you a humble millionaire. We're going to put all your business out here, right? Humble millionaire who has been able to amass wealth. Um, and when I think about, um, you know, your ability to um, amass this wealth, uh, you started your business during a time, during the last recession. Correct. Right. Talk, talk a little bit about um, that whole process, like from where you started, you, you decide, you know, you, like what was the decision you made that said, you know what, I'm going to start this movement. And then from that point, you were able to, you know, create a portfolio of, of, of properties and create financial freedom for yourself, for your family. Talk, talk to me about that, that, that genesis and, you know, how, how'd, you, how'd you get to this, to this point? Yeah, so that was January 9th, 2009 when I quit my 
uh, last job and forever will be my last job, right? Um, and uh, I felt pulled by my purpose. Mm. Um, and uh, at that time, I saved up about six months of runway. My cost of living in Brooklyn, New York at that time was $3,000. So I had saved up $18,000. And despite it being the bottom of the last recession, I said, I'm going for this because, again, my purpose was calling me. Um, the belief that carried me through that time was that um, if God created me for a purpose, right, um, then it would be cruel of my creator to create me for a purpose and then not give me everything I need to succeed at that purpose. Ooh. So um, I just stepped out on faith. And here I am, what is this, like 12 years later and experiencing the most abundance that I could even imagine. And when I was literally leaving my job in a small Brooklyn, New York apartment with $18,000 to my name and still starting my business. I had no revenues at that time. So um, yeah, so that was the beginning of the journey. Uh, the journey unfolded and has continued to unfold in many ways. I call it failing forward. Um, it hasn't all just been a, a sequence of successes, right? Um, and so uh, first started out with workshops in my living room, uh, teaching people how to get clarity on their life purpose. That was related to my first book, The Eight Cylinders of Success. And then um, that evolved into speaking at colleges and companies, which I know you did um, for quite some time. But I knew after speaking at hundreds of colleges and companies that that wasn't the end game for me. Um, and fortunately, I started to pivot before COVID hit because we know people who are in that business have taken a huge hit. And I started um, teaching more online. And so um, I've taught everything from online entrepreneurship to how to create masterminds. And uh, as I was building and amassing my wealth from my speech, business and teaching online, um, I was dumping um, my resource, the economic resources that I was generating into real estate. Mm. And so I got one property, then the second, then the third, then the fourth. And people started asking me, how are you doing this? And so naturally as a teacher and an educator and wanting to empower as many people as possible, um, I started teaching people how to do that. And of uh, all the movements that I've initiated, this is the one that has taken the most hold and because I think it speaks to a, an innate need that we all desire, uh, which is to not only have home, but to have assets in our families. And so my inspiration comes from Harriet Tubman. That is my ancestor spirit who I look to. And you know, over the course of a decade, she freed 300 people getting them across the Mason-Dixon line by making 19 trips uh, uh, over that period of time. And so right now my focus is to get 300 people to close on their first multifamily home. Uh, she was the number one conductor on the Underground Railroad. I call this the Above Ground Railroad. Mm -hmm. It is literally right there, real estate, above ground, there for us to see. But many people didn't see it as um, uh, a road to freedom because uh, HGTV has taught us to look at real estate as for the aesthetic purposes of it and what it looks like as opposed to seeing it as an asset. And so literally we've been driving by assets and ATM machines our entire lives, but we weren't aware that we could actually afford them, how we could get into them, that it's actually easier to buy a multifamily home than it is to buy a single family home. Mm. Um, and so a lot of people got caught up in the American dream trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh, single family home, white picket fence and things of that nature, when if they would have simply just got a multifamily home first, then that multifamily would have produced enough income for them to have their single family home free and clear mm. because they wouldn't be making the mortgage payment. Their assets would be making the mortgage payment mm. for them. Wait, I want to unpack that real quick, right? Because um, I know, you know, I've been, I've, I've been a banker for a very long time. I was a banker 15 years. And, you know, even bankers, right, were, were, were telling, you know, clients who come in, yeah. to get their single family home and that's what that that's what was being pushed yeah. but if i understand you correctly you're saying that if someone was were to start that you know start that journey of home ownership yeah. don't buy the single family home buy the multifamily home and then let the multifamily home pay for the multifamily home and then keep 
recycling that cycle until you can pay for that single family home. Is that, yeah, is that what you're saying? that's exactly what happened for me. So mm. I bought my first multifamily in Brooklyn in 2013. It was a triplex. And um, the moment I bought that home, I achieved rent and mortgage freedom. Mm. So since 2013, May of 2013, I haven't had a housing expense for the past eight years of my life. Wow. Because the rents from that property not only pay the principal interest, taxes, insurance, capex, repairs, and vacancy rate for that property, but they also generate enough cash flow that I can use that to buy other properties. And so right now, my portfolio is about 13 properties in New Orleans, Oakland, Brooklyn, and Baton Rouge. And I don't make any of the mortgage payments. Wow. I don't make any of the utility payments. I don't make any of the tax payments, right? So I'm just continuing to take uh, the economic resource that was created by that first property. So um, there's a couple different loan programs out there that can get you into uh, your first property. Um, and that is NACA, which is 0% down, very lenient on credit score, and there's a government's FHA program, which is only 3.5% down. So literally, you can take control, not own. See, HGTV will give you keys and say, mm. congrats, you're a homeowner. Yep. You're not a homeowner. Mm. You only own 3.5% of that property. Mm. The bank, as you know, yes. owns the other 96.5%. So we have to be very particular with our language, right? Mm. You're a home buyer mm. at that point, right? And so uh, with FHA, you can get in with 3.5% down. So on a $300,000 duplex, for instance, um, literally, that's only $10,500 to control that asset. Now tell me what other asset or business can you buy for $300,000 with only $10,500 down, get finance for the other $289,000 in 30 days, mm -hmm. have that business immediately cash flow. Mm. What other business right. can you do that? Right. Multifamily real estate is it. And so um, now not only are you living for free, now your home is actually paying you. And FHA has a one-year living requirement. So once you live there for a year, you can move on to the single family that you desire, move a tenant into the place that you initially were staying and now have the cash flow paying for your mortgage in your single family home. So now you have two assets, um, well, you have one asset. I don't consider the single family home an asset. Hopefully your single family home has appreciated, but that's not guaranteed. You don't really control appreciation unless you're forcing appreciation through renovations and things of that nature. Mm, wow, wow, wow. And so where, where, did, where did that mindset come from, right? So, you know, as somebody who, um, you know, you, you were working, Mm -hmm. You got on the scene, you're, you're speaking. Um, where, where, where did it hit you? Like, where did, where did that, that knowledge come from that says, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to take my money and I'm going to dump it into, you know, real estate, right, to build these assets. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, so um, for me, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, in college, um, but I didn't have the economic resource at that time to actually buy uh, real estate. And so um, uh, I just, you know, did what I thought I was supposed to do and, and got a job and things of that nature. Um, but I started to realize a distinction because I actually don't come from working class. I come from middle class. Mm -hmm. uh, both my parents were doctors. Um, and uh, so I recognize that there's actually three different classes in the United States, mm -hmm. or caste, mm -hmm. <laughs> not necessarily classes, caste. We're a caste system here, whether people say it or not. But there is the uh, lower class or working class, right? And they typically use their hands to earn money. Then there's the middle class, right? And the middle class typically uses their head to earn money. But then the upper class, I don't call it the upper class, it's actually the asset class. Mm because their assets are actually what make them money. Mm, and mm. so I realized that my parents, while they were making decent income um, or salary, actually I don't call salary income, they were making decent salary, um, they still were in the trading time for money model, mm. right? And I knew that in order to create wealth, you had to get beyond that and actually enter into the asset class. Mm. And so that has been my focus is uh, acquiring a building and acquiring assets um, in order to achieve wealth. Now, the quick distinction between salary and income, this is the more trickery in the American dream, mm. 
people call their salary income, but it's not income. If you ever run a business, you know that revenues minus expenses equals income. Mm. And so your salary is actually only your revenues. Mm. If your salary minus your living expenses could actually still equal zero. Mm. So you actually have no income. Wow. So two people could be earning $100,000. One person's living off of 90, the other person's living off of 60. Who has more income? Mm. Mm-hmm. The person who's actually living off of 60, right. right? And so we have to be very particular with our language uh, when we're speaking about money, and that is part of the trickery in the American dream, um, which uh, for many people is the American nightmare. Mm-hmm. And it's not just people of color. Um, 78% of Americans live in paycheck to paycheck. Wow. And so if black people only make up 14% in this country, then it's not just about black versus white. Mm-hmm. No, there's a lot of white people who are also being screwed by this entire system. And there's a elite group of people, powers that be, who don't care what color you are mm-hmm. and simply want to keep as many people as possible oppressed. And so it's time for us to rise up and by educating ourselves about money, how it works and how to um, navigate this economic system. For me, money is economic oxygen. Mm-hmm. Okay, money is economic oxygen. And so we've been through this movement, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, I can't breathe. The reason we can't breathe in this country is because we don't have enough economic oxygen. If we had more economic oxygen, we'd be perfectly fine. You see it in other groups and cultures, you see it in the Asian culture, you see it in the Jewish culture, they have enough economic oxygen. Mm. So they're doing just fine here. Mm. So we have to acclimate to this environment and get better at understanding it. And a lot of people you know, uh, say that they're woke, but you cannot be woke and broke at the same time. It's impossible because you can lay out the 101 ways that your oppressor is oppressing you and you think you understand the system, but you're still not thriving in the system. Mm. If you really understood it, you'd be able to navigate it. Mm. And so we have to get off that tip and stop blaming other people for our condition and take full responsibility that no external institution or condition has more power over us than us and step into our godhood and recognize that we are children of God and that abundance is our birthright. Yo, keep going, right? Like that's that's the energy. I, that's the energy. All right. So look, um, and so now you said step into your 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 godness. Abundance is our birthright, right? Yeah. And so I purposely wore this shirt, right? So if you see what the shirt says, good health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Um, this is a term uh, that uh, came from Reverend Ike. Rest in peace. Yes. And then Reverend Ike. Uh, a lot of people know him as a prosperity teacher, and I know uh, he's been an inspiration to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've watched, you know, Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike is a genius. Yeah. Uh, but talk, talk, talk to me about that, right? Because my belief system is the same: is that you know we're made in the image and likeness of God. So if yeah. you're made in the image and likeness of God, you know, ye are, yeah, you, you, you break it down yeah, more yeah. eloquently. Talk to us. Yeah. So, um, as children of God, we have to understand that um, if uh, if I'm a millionaire, mm-hmm. right, is my daughter a millionaire? Absolutely. She's going to inherit everything that I have, right? And so, if we are children of the most abundant God, the infinite source of supply, then what are we? It is impossible. It's actually sin for us to be in poor. Mm-hmm. It's actually sin for us to be poor. And so. Whenever we say I'm poor or I'm broke, we're actually sinning. We're actually using the Lord's name in vain because we know that God says I am. God says my name is I am. So if I say I am and I put anything negative, this is what Reverend Ike said, you put anything negative after I am, you are using the Lord's name in vain. Mm. And so we have to accept that we actually are wealthy. Jesus said it. He said, "Um, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Mm. And so um, we have lost our divine lineage and inheritance. And so that's why we've accepted these identities as I am poor. Mm. You are not poor, right? You might be born in poverty. What tends to happen is that we are born into poverty, um, our people in general, and we look at our external conditions and we say, 
because I'm born into poverty, therefore I am poor. Mm. But here's what I've come to understand. We here uh, in the United States, we are black. And in karate, what is the top belt? Mm. Black belt. It's the black belt, yep. right? So we have come here in this particular body as black people because we're actually on the highest level. Mm. We're not on the lowest level. Wait, go ahead. Okay. We're not on the lowest level, we're on the highest level. That's why we are facing the challenges that we're facing because we are uh, on the highest level possible. Mm. And so we are here to actually prove how wealthy we are. Mm. Basically, the way I perceive it is that in the spiritual realm, before we came here, we said, um, uh, said God, go ahead, take away my language, take away my spirituality, take away my land, uh, take away my family, take away um, any kind of positive resource that I could have and watch me win this level. Hey, peace and blessings family, it's Ash Cash. If you're an entrepreneur, coach, or service provider, nothing can boost your business and credibility like the instant authority of being a published author. I am a former 15-year banking executive, and it wasn't until I wrote my first book that I started to see a boost in my business. Now, I've been an author for over 10 years. I've sold over 70,000 books all independently. I have four bestsellers, and my books have been featured on every major media outlet you could think of, all without hiring a publicist. I've coached hundreds of self-published authors on how to write, market, and sell their books the right way, and I have many authors that I've helped become bestsellers, and even help some make five figures before they even launch their book. I've been getting a lot of requests lately for book coaching since I revealed that one of my clients, Julian Gordon, made $111,000 in two months pre-launch on his new book. So I created this new program that is breaking down everything that you need to write, publish your book in 90 days or less, and also all the secrets on how to sell massive books as a self-published author. So go to IncomeFromBooks.com for more information, and for a limited time, you'll get 40% off the normal price, and you don't even need a discount code. I promise you, it's a worthwhile investment. You have a story that the world needs to hear, so let me help you build your impact and your income. Good people need to do good. So let me help you. I'll see you on the other side. IncomeFromBooks.com. So when you look at it that way, you're able to recognize that I'm actually here to overcome these challenges and that this is actually a sign that I have enough strength because God would never give you uh, more than you could actually bear. Mm. And so the reason we're here is that we can bear it and we're actually here to prove how wealthy we are mm. by actually having no wealth. Wait, let, 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 me, let me unpack that for a second because um, I, I don't want anybody to miss what you're saying. So you're saying, I love the analogy, right? So black belt, highest level, you know, us black in America, highest level. But what you're saying is that if you were born with everything, right, with all the resources, with everything that God has promised, yeah. there really isn't any way to prove God. Yeah. Right? How, how can a Paris Hilton prove her wealth? Mm. If you're born into wealth, what are there to prove? How mm. can you prove that you're wealthy? Mm. You can right. only prove that you're wealthy by actually coming to a space where you have no wealth, right, and actually creating it. Oh. Put me anywhere on God's green earth and I what? Triple my worth, big bars. Anywhere. Anywhere. 
Okay, so God green that, earth. That's what God. That's what gods do. Yes. And by gods, I mean lowercase g. Mm. Of course, there is the one, right? Capital G, the OG, mm. right? Mm. But then we are all little gods. Jesus said, "It isn't not written in your law." I've said, "Ye are gods," mm. and we just haven't accepted that identity. And so, as we step into that, um, we will start to receive accordingly. Um, the only reason. My daughter might not be aware that she's actually a millionaire yet, and the only reason that we don't recognize how wealthy we are is one, she's not ready to receive it, mm. right? Two, she actually doesn't know what her father has in store for her, mm. or she's not in alignment with the will of her father, mm. right? And so her father may say, she's not in alignment, so therefore I'm going to give this resource to a trustee to manage it because she's not ready, right? She and she's not in alignment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply with how I want this energy to be used. For me, money is just stored energy. Mm. It's stored energy. A lot of people say, oh, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the scripture says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm. Money is just stored energy, right? It is an inert spiritual substance that doesn't have any charge whatsoever. What gives money its charge is the charge of the person who's holding it and the direction in which they use it. Mm. And so for me, what it means to be rich and righteous is to take this stored energy and actually use it for good and for God. Mm. And so I don't perceive any money that is in my account at this moment in time as mine. For me, it's all stored energy that I've been blessed with to use to, and I've been a steward of it. Mm. The reason God keeps pouring into me and, and money comes to me and through me is because the buck does not stop here. Mm. It knows that when I receive economic resource, I'm gonna do the best I can to immediately put it into use. Mm. A lot of people who store up money in a bank account, um, basically what they're doing is they think they're establishing financial security, but what it's really doing is it's actually hiding their insecurities. Mm. Mm. They okay. think they're establishing financial security, but uh, a lot of people who hoard money, they are trying to squeeze God out of the equation. Mm. Right? There's scripture uh, and a story about the Israelites navigating the desert, and the desert is a, a symbolism for uh, the wilderness of the mind, and, um, and they were given manna every single day and they were supposed to use that manna that day. They weren't supposed to store it or else it spoils. Mm -hmm. And we know that's exactly what money does, mm -hmm. right? Through inflation, it spoils. You put money in a bank account like this, um, we know that uh, it is losing its actual value. Right. Scripture says, do not give your pearls to swine. Mm -hmm. But what do we teach our kids to put their money in when they're little? Mm -hmm. Piggy bank. In a piggy bank. <laughs> yep, yep. We literally program our kids to put, give their money to swine, their mm -hmm. pearls. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I know that we are supposed to elevate this money, these dead presidents, right? Um, in the parable of the talents, uh, there were a couple of people who were given talents. One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. And the one that was given one, you remember the story? The one that was given one uh, buried it. Buried. Yeah. And when you bury a person, what are, what are they? they? They're dead. Dead, yeah, yeah. And so what do we call money in our community? Dead president. Dead presidents, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We call them dead presidents. And our responsibility is actually to resurrect those presidents mm. and actually give cash consciousness mm. by investing it in ideals, ideas, individuals, and institutions that we believe are doing good or God's work. Mm. That is our role as stewards. And the better steward you are of this stored energy, the more that will come to you and through you. Mm. <sighs> All right. I remember, you, you know, you, you, you said...
um, there's two things that I want to I want to unpack. But you said that the reason why you don't have a million dollars is because your dreams aren't as big as a million dollars. Yeah, you don't need it. Break that down for me, please. So if you were to, so God is our angel investor. Yeah. Okay. And so. Um, if you were starting a company and you went up to an angel investor and just said, I need more money, mm. what would they say to you? Yeah, let, me, let me see the blueprint. Let me see yeah. the plan. Let me see how you're going to use it. Yeah, how are you going to use it? Yeah. Well, how much exactly do you need, right? And what are you going to use it for and how am I going to get my return? Yeah. And so they would laugh at you if you just said, I need more money, <laughs> right? And so it's, it happens the same with God is that we have to be clear on what we're actually going to use it for. The reason most people are not millionaires is because they don't have a vision that requires a million dollars mm. or they don't have a vision that will actually result in them having a million dollars. And so we actually have to create larger visions um, so that we can be poured into. God is not just going to give you more money for you to go put it in a bank account and for it to sit. Right? It would rather use that economic resource, that stored energy, and give it to somebody who's actually going to put it into use. So I'll give you an example. Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk, uh, when he uh, cashed out of PayPal for $180 million, I think in 2002, um, he uh, put all that money into Tesla, SpaceX, and SolarCity. Mm -hmm. right? So much so that he had to borrow money for rent. Mm. $180 million. Yeah. And he poured everything back into the business. So much that he had to borrow money for rent. Yeah. Elon Musk is operating at one of the highest levels of wealth consciousness ever. Obviously, he achieved the status of the uh, richest man on earth. Um, and he's grown that $180 million at a rate of 44.44%. And we know that number is sacred. 44.44%, mm. that $180 million has grown to be the $192 uh, billion that he has right now. So he is using... That money, he's not hoarding it. Elon Musk's wealth isn't stored in a bank account. He can't go cash that out. When you actually have net worth, it means that your money is actually in assets being put to work, being put to use, right? We know that these presidents, especially George Washington, uh, enslaved our ancestors. So you think I'm gonna get a George Washington and let him just sit there and be lazy? I'm gonna work his ass. And every one of his homies, right. they're gonna work for me. <laughs> Right. And so you cannot achieve wealth when you work for money. You have to get to a space where money works for you. Now, here's the problem that uh, I see happening in our community right now as this wave of wealth consciousness is, is occurring. We're giving people tons of wealth strategies. Right. But if you give wealth strategies to people with poverty consciousness, none of it will take root. Mm, OK. None of it will take root. And if we're giving people too many at a time, it'll get confusing. And so what I found, and when you look at the sequence, and I'll give Jay-Z as an example in a second, if you look at the sequence, you typically have to focus on getting one stream to pop first. Mm -hmm. And then once that one stream pops, then you start diversifying into other smaller streams, either that are, uh, have synergies mm -hmm. or that allow you to diversify uh, completely. And so Jay-Z, if he would have tried to start Rockaware, Rockefeller, Armadale, Spotted Pig, 44 Club, all at the same time, he would have failed. Mm. And he wouldn't be the Jay-Z that we know. Mm. But he knew that his lane was Rockefeller, right? And they focused on that and getting that popping. And then once that was popping, then you start to diversify into these other lanes like Rockaware, which was synergistic because they could actually market their own clothing in their videos, et cetera. It was an alignment. Right. Hotels, Spotted Pig, probably not in alignment. 4040 Club, kind of in alignment, et cetera. And of course, now he's into all kinds of different alcohol was in alignment. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, 
as we're on this journey to create multiple streams of income, they say the average millionaire has seven streams of income, et cetera. You have to figure out what your primary stream is. Mm. And then when you don't know how to invest money back into your primary stream, then you use that extra resource like I did with real estate to invest in subsidiaries, mm. right? And so um, that's, that's one of the keys. And so I, I love everything that you're saying, but what, what you know, a, a lot of what I've heard so far, right? Mm -hmm. Biblical principles and uh, it almost sounds like religion. Mm -hmm. uh, some people may not believe in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, why should someone who may not be religious or Christian or believe in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, like really um, accept what you're saying about, you know, God and your God self? Oh yeah, this uh, this has actually nothing to do with religion. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, for me, um, first and foremost, I believe everybody has their own personal religion. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own personal relationship to the Creator. Two people could be sitting next to each other in a pew on a Sunday in the same church, but still have different relationships to their Creator. So my the way I define my religious beliefs is I'm a child of God. Mm -hmm. That is it. Um, and anything below that, any, any identity I accept beneath that um, actually limits me. Mm. And so that's first and foremost. But when we actually look at um, uh, religion for, uh, or Christianity in general, one, we know that God is not Christian. Mm. Okay? Two, we know that the Bible is not Christian. And we also know that Jesus was not Christian. Mm. So these principles that I'm attracting are actually universal principles, but I've attracted them from this book that has had a timeless impact on our society and our culture, um, and I believe they transcend any particular religion. This, the same rules, just like gravity, apply to everyone. Mm. Um, for me, given my upbringing, this happens to be the book that uh, resonated with me the most and where I was able to see and extract these universal principles that will actually apply to all. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And so... Um, you know, there's somebody watching right now. They love what you're saying. They understand um, or, or, or they have an idea of, you know, they're not supposed to let, you know, that you want to put your money to work for you. But, you know, what advice would you give or how, how, how should I use my money? How should I make my money work for me? Yeah. So um, so this is a big one. So um, I have seven uh, ways to think about you using your money because money is in our experience. We use it every single day. And if we actually had a scoreboard to help us determine if we were using it in the highest way possible, it would help us. And so um, I have seven uh, ways to score yourself every single day when you're using money. The first uh, one is actually a negative two. Mm. It's actually negative two. And that is you losing money. And the number one way we lose money is through taxes. Mm. And so when you learn how to navigate tax strategies, when you incorporate yourself and you're able to expense things, um, it'll change the way that your tax liability every single year. I have no tax liabilities because of all the write-offs and deductions that I get from real estate, my businesses, and things of that nature. And so the first step is not to lose money. I think that's Warren Buffett's rule number one and two as well, which is don't, rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, do not lose money. Right, don't right. forget rule number one. Right, 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 okay? right. So that's negative two. Negative one is spend money. Mm. When you spend money, you end money mm. because you only get to use it once and it's gone. We're supposed to circulate money, and to circulate means to return to point of origin, right? And so um, that's number uh, that's that's negative one is um, spending money. Zero is actually saving money, right? When you save money in an account, um, especially at point zero three percent interest rate, that means that you're only getting three cents on every single dollar over the course of a year. So you saying don't you tell me don't save money? Don't save money, mm. okay? Beyond your emergency fund. Whether that's a six-month emergency fund, whether that's 12 months for you, after that, you want all of your money to be in play. Mm. 
Okay, because right now um, at 0.03% interest in a Bank of America savings account, you take the rule of 72, 72 divided by 0.03 equals 2,400. It means it'll take you 2,400 years to double your money in a savings account. 2,400 years, right? So you're not supposed to save money, right? And going back to the parable of the, uh, the talents, the person who buried their money, that was equivalent to saving money, right? Um, then there's positive one. Now we're starting to give money a positive charge, and that's donating money. And donating money is good, but oftentimes we are donating it to nonprofits that have a poverty conscious. You notice nonprofits that are always begging for money, asking for money, having to raise money, uh, and it's actually taken away from them doing their work. And you can actually create a nonprofit that has a sustainable business model. We see it with educational institutions. We see it with hospitals all the time. And so my challenge to nonprofits is really to think more creatively about their business model. If they really want to serve, then they need to serve sustainably so they don't have to always rely on outside resource and donors to actually um, make sure that their mission continues. But positively charging money, that's better than you saving it because now it's in use if we're good. Then uh, positive two is actually expensing money. Spending money is different than spending money. When you spend money, it's gone to a liability, uh, a liability, right? But when you're expensing money, you're actually expensing it within a business to facilitate the business's growth. So you, it's different than spending money because spending money is just for like leisure and, and casually. But expensing money is actually towards the growth of something. So that's positive too. Positive three is actually investing money, okay? So now you're usually, in this case, handing, putting your money into an investment like real estate or you're handing your money to an individual organization to invest on your behalf, right? And so um, now your money is out in the world working um, and hopefully you're investing in things that you care about and you believe in. And then number four, positive four, is actually you learning how to multiply money. It says be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. And so uh, we have to learn how to multiply money. And um, when you're multiplying money, that's typically through your own business. Uh. It's typically through your own business where you learn how to multiply money. And that's the level that I'm operating at right now um, is the level of multiplication. And um, this is where I want everybody to reach. Uh, be spending your, uh, using your money uh, in levels three and levels, uh, levels two, three, and four. Wow. And so... Seven point negative two, negative one, zero, one, two, three, four, yeah. with four being the highest level of multiplication. So, you know, you know, like you said, having those dead presidents work for you, yeah. putting them out the work, multiplying and bringing that back. And so, um, you know, when, when you when you think about, you know, being rich, and, 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 you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to come back to some or, or, you know, come back to something that you said where you can't be woke and broke. Right, you can't display God, right, mm -hmm. and be worrying about your bills and things of that nature. Um, you know, we're 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 at a you know we're at a space where it's COVID nineteen, people are losing jobs. You know, someone's listening to you. They're like, all right, it sounds good, but you know, you know, you you have properties. You have like like like. What do you say to that person that is currently in that situation? That is currently trying to figure it out. And I mean, they believe that they believe in God. They believe that they, you know, that 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 they have a a, a wealth consciousness. That they they wouldn't be putting themselves into poverty, but their situation doesn't really show that. They're struggling, they're trying to figure it out. What do you say to that person? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. And it's one that I think about all the time, uh, given the condition of our people at large. Um, the, first, uh, the first thing is, there, I think about three buckets, mm -hmm. right? And those three buckets are the colander, the regular bucket, and the watering can. Mm -hmm. The colander, 
uh, is typically where a lot of our people are at. And the colander is a bucket that has holes in it. Mm. So even if you pour the ocean into a colander, it'll still end up empty, mm. right? And so the first step is to actually plug all the holes in your financial system. You're not broke. Mm. Your financial system is broke. Mm. Okay? We never accept the identity, I am broke. Mm. I am are the two most powerful words in the English language. So you're not broke, but your financial system may be broken. So we have to plug the holes. Are you actually being a good steward of that which you have? Mm. Let's just start there. Why would I give you more if you're not being a good steward of that which you already have, mm. right? And so are you budgeting your money properly? Where is your money leaking? Where is the waste? Because if I actually go look at your bank statement, you're claiming that you're poor, but if I actually go look at your bank statement, I can see a lot of ways that money is just leaving and out of your personal economy. Mm. And so we need to fix that first before we give you any more, mm. okay? The second thing is um, then increasing your capacity to receive. Mm. Our people are giving people. And as a given people, um, it's a good thing. And we've tried to uh, be, play the sacrificial leader, right? And the thing about that is that you end up burned out when you do that and frustrated and resentful when you give, 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 and you never seem to receive. It's not that you never seem to receive, it's that we haven't uh, developed our receiving muscle. Mm. Receiving is a skill set. Like, we are so proud sometimes that we won't receive. Uh, you have a grocery, you have groceries all in your hands and arms and somebody has to open the door for you, you're like, no, I got it. I'm good. Right, I'm good, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a strong woman or no, I don't, I'm a man, I don't need no help, mm -hmm. whatever. And so we actually have to learn how to receive more. And so that, that's really the second step of the equation. That's how you move from colander to, to bucket, right? And once that bucket starts to fill up now, now uh, they say your cup runneth over, mm -hmm. Uh, you, you heard me say this, um, you know, uh, if your cup run it over, you need to stop approaching God with a Dixie cup. Mm. It just means your cup is too small. Mm. And so, and that it's time for you to give. And so that's where you move into the watering can. And the watering can, it has a giving, a receiving and a giving function. Mm. The receiving and the giving are reciprocal. The scripture says, as you give, as you, uh, give so shall you receive. Mm. So it's a reciprocal relationship. Um, so, again, the colander... Um, only receives, but what it receives, it wastes. Then the bucket, it receives, but it has no giving function. The watering can, it receives, right? But it receives to give, mm. to give. And so the third step is actually creating a vision big enough uh, and uh, something that you're actually going to pour into, right? This money is not meant to be held selfishly to keep you comfortable. It's actually meant to circulate all throughout and be a, a form of good energy that we spread out all throughout the world. And so... So that, that would be the step, is plugging the holes in your own system, uh, developing the receiving skill set by saying yes to help um, when it comes, asking for help in the areas that you know that you actually need it, and then creating a vision um, that's bigger than you that you can pour into. Um, and that would be my three-step process to uh, getting yourself out of that situation. And so, and so when you say, you know, and I appreciate that because I know uh, there's going to be people watching that want, you know, tangible things. And yeah. so, you know, when you say create a vision, then, you know, go to 99 cent store, you know, go, you know, pull out your Oprah magazine, cut out the Bentley, the Rolls Royce, oh, and make oh. sure, right? That's oh, what you're saying. Yeah. No. You said create a vision, bro. I heard what you said. You, you said create me. a vision. You, you, you said me? you said cut out the Bentley, the, the no, ghost. I, did, I didn't say that. You ain't say, I didn't you say ain't, that. You ain't, I, I, Here's the problem with vision boards. All right, talk to me. Here's the problem with vision boards. Talk to me. Vision boards are selfish. Okay. Everybody's saying, go create a vision board, put all the things that you want. No, that's not how it works. 
And maybe you have manifested some things that you put on your vision board because you're giving that thought focused energy on a daily basis. But the secret to getting everything you want is to help other people get what they want. Mm, okay. If you help enough people get what they want, you'll have everything that you want, mm. everything that you desired. Mm. So rather than just creating a selfish vision board that's just about what you want, instead ask yourself, how can I help other people get what they want? How can I be of service to other people? And I know that when I do that, that I'll have enough economic resource to have everything that I possibly want. Your wealth in this world will be directly proportional to the size of the problems you solve. Mm. And so instead of just being selfish saying, oh, what's my passion? I want to do my passion. I encourage people to ask this question. What problem are you passionate about solving? Mm. Go solve a problem for people. And trust me, you will get everything that you want. So your vision board, it's a key step. And I know the secret pushed that really, really hard. But your vision board is secondary. Mm. It is secondary. I know that wealth and money is attracted to value, not vision boards. Mm. Say that again. So wealth is attracted to value. Not vision boards. Right. And so, and so the more value you bring out, the more wealth you will have. And then the more wealth you have, then you can get the, you can get the goals that you, you want. Anything you want on your vision board. But if you just go, if you, somebody's going to, if we have two people and one person just creates a vision board and says, I'm going to look at this vision board every single day. Yeah. We have another person who says, I'm going to see how many people I can serve and how many people I can create value for. Who are you going to bet on is going to become more wealthy? Mm. Person who's giving out that value. Yeah. So the vision board, it's key, but it's secondary mm. because most vision boards are actually selfish. Instead, visualize and envision how you could actually serve people, how you can make other people's lives better, a problem that you could solve. Instead, visualize that. Mm. In the same way that Elon Musk visualizes Solar City, mm. Tesla, mm. SpaceX, he's trying to solve problems. Mm. So there's a correlation between the size of the problem you solve and your wealth. Mm. And so, um, not a vision board. I don't know if Elon Musk has a vision board. Mm. Okay, but I know he's creating extreme value in the world. And so uh, that's what I choose to focus on in the vision board. The things that I personally want are, are secondary. Now, I do believe that you should enjoy money. Mm. I think everybody should pick one luxury that they um, choose to spend freely on without, without uh, thinking about money, without looking at price. Mm. For some people, that's going to be their clothes. Some people, that's going to be their sneaker collection. Some people, that might be art. I do uh, believe that you should enjoy money. Um, but, uh, but before, you have to figure out how I create enough value for other people. We are here to be of service to others. Our gifts are not for us. Mm. Mm. Christmas, the way it's taught is that the gifts are for you. Your gift is actually for other people. Mm. And the blessing that you get is the unwrapping of your gift and the receiving of it by somebody else. Mm. Mm. So if I have a gift for financial spirituality and Inter interweaving these financial and spiritual principles, that gift is not just for me. The blessing I get is when I get those DMs, mm. when I get those comments on YouTube videos, when I get uh, emails, when I get phone calls, when I bump into people in public and they say, I watched this and that is the gift to me, mm. not the actual thing. Mm. And so um, we're meant to give our gifts and a lot of people are trying to get to wealth by just stacking bread themselves without thinking about, actually, how can I just serve more people, mm. right? We are in this space of where we uh, chase money. And you're not supposed to chase money. Mm. We even say it in our culture, paper chasing. Mm. You're not supposed to chase money. Anything that you chase has more power over you than you over mm. it. Mm. It is sucking you into its gravitational pull. We're supposed to attract money. And so we ask ourselves, how do I become more attractive? And I'm not talking about physically attractive. I don't care what you look like in the mirror. 
How do you energetically become more attractive? Nikola Tesla said, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, you have to understand energy, frequency, and vibration. And so what vibration, what frequency are you putting out into the world? When you think about wealthy people, uh, how are they being in the world? A lot of people focus on what wealthy people have. Mm, mm -hmm. And then some people even try to fake it to make it by trying to get the suit that they have or the purse that they have or the car that they have. And they'll try to do the, start with having. But the real secret to manifestation is actually becoming it mm. until it comes to be. Mm. You become it mm. until it comes to be. <laughs> oh, big bar, big bar. So, so, so why Rich and Righteous? Like you have a book, Rich and Righteous, you know, why Rich and Righteous? Why now? You know, you, know, you know, what made you decide to, you know, teach this to the world? Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot going on in our world right now, and uh, some of it is negative. And there's people with negative intentions that are actually influencing and shaping the culture. And the reason those people uh, with negative intentions don't really care about people who have good hearts is because a lot of people uh, with good hearts don't have positive cash flow. Mm. So negative people don't worry about the positive people because the positive people have negative cash flow. Mm. And so we have to um, acclimate to, to this environment and really start to understand uh, this world that we're living in. And one of the tools there in this world is actually money. And so not only do, we, do I believe that the righteous must become rich, um, but I believe that we will change the world by changing how we all relate to money. Um, you know, when I think about, when I think about uh, what we need, uh, there are people with good hearts and, and with good intentions who want to create good. And I really believe that we're here to uh, bring heaven on earth. Mm. Heaven is our mental experience of life and earth is our material experience. And um, I believe that if you're righteous, would you do more good if you have more money? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Righteous people, that's what they, that's what they do. So then I believe you should have as much money as I can possibly help you get. Mm. If I know that you'll do more good with more money, then I want you to have more money, mm. period. Mm. Period, because that's only going to multiply your ability to create more good and more God in this world. Mm. And so that's why it's really important to me. I don't really call other people evil or anything like that, um, but I know there's a lot of people with good ideas, good hearts, good spirits, that if they actually had more economic resource, um, we would actually be have a closer experience of heaven on earth here as a collective if those people understood money, how it worked, how to attract it, and how to use it at the highest levels possible. And so um, that's what Rich and Righteous means for me. Um, it just means moving the culture forward, moving the world forward in a way that's a win-win, not a way that's manipulation. So for me, there's a couple ways to create. There's manipulation, and that is sleight of hand, that's trying to get over on other people, right? Then there's actually manpower, where you're using your own hands, right? And when you're trying to create impact, you never want to create impact based on something that's limited, like time or your body. Mm. So we have to get beyond that. And where I think we have the opportunity to leapfrog, especially as the firstborn, especially as uh, people of African descent, I believe that we are the most spiritually rooted people on the face of this earth, and that um, we can actually leapfrog uh, some of our siblings by jumping straight to manifestation. Mm. What do I mean by leapfrog? Manifestation where you tap into God's hand, not just your hand. Mm. And what do I mean by leapfrog? Well, le there's leapfrog technologies like in certain parts of Africa, they never had landlines. Mm. They leapfrog straight from what they had 
to mobile phones, mm. right? And so you skip an entire infrastructure build out and you actually leapfrog and you, kept, you were so far behind that you leapfrogged and caught up immediately. Mm. And so that's what I think is happening in our community right now is that as we, as wealth consciousness is actually increasing amongst uh, us through uh, this, this space here inside the vault, EYL, et cetera, what I believe is uh, we're gonna have the opportunity to leapfrog a lot of the things that other cultures had to go through to uh, acquire their wealth. We're gonna have that opportunity because we're coming into wealth consciousness at a very specific time in history where more intangible assets are coming to be because physical assets like real estate, some of them are limited. Yeah. But we're stepping into a time right now where there's a lot of intangible uh, uh, assets like NFTs and things of that nature. Um, and uh, um, I'm excited about uh, what's going to occur for us. Rashad said it uh, um, to me. He said, you know, mindset has stopped millions from making millions. Mm. And we're now getting our mind right, which I know is is uh, a word language pattern that you use often. We're now getting our mind right. And I believe that when we match our mindset with our skill set, when we have both, okay, not just the skill sets of how to trade stocks, how to build a business, how to do real estate, but also the mindset is matched with that, mm. um, I believe that abundance is going to come to us easily. Mm. I love that. I love that. And so, um, you know, you have uh, this, this, this wealth consciousness. You have people who um, are, they're doing their affirmations. They're, uh, they're, they're using the words I am. They're reading the books. They're, they're praying. They're meditating. Uh, they, they're good. They're doing everything right. Mm -hmm. But they still don't have the physical manifestation in their world. Um, what's the block? Like, what, what's that next step for that, that, that person? Yeah, so here's the thing about affirmations where they lead people wrong. Um, affirmations typically try to take you from some low space and some negative space and try to get you straight up mm. to the highest place because the affirmation usually is speaking about the whole truth of who you are. Mm. And usually you can't just jump from here to here that quickly. Mm. And so I like to think about um, your evolution and you up-leveling more like rock climbing. Mm. So instead of trying to, if you're rock climbing and you're at the base, you don't just reach for the top rock and say, I'm here now. That's what affirmations tend to do for people. That's why they don't work. Because the jump, mental jump for somebody is too great. Mm. So instead, you just reach for the next best feeling. Mm. Then you reach for the next best feeling. Then you reach for the next best feeling. You don't just try to jump from here to here. So that's why most affirmations don't work because a scripture says it is done unto you as you believe. And so if I don't believe the affirmation, no matter how many times I say it, it's not gonna take root in my subconscious mind. Mm. And so uh, it's really important for you to be patient mm. with the process. And the biggest thing for that person is to be aware that manifestation has no timeline. You have to take time out of the equation. You have to take time out of the equation. Manifestation can happen in the twinkling of an eye. Mm or it could take 10 years mm. or 20 years. If you remove time and you just hold on to the belief, then you'll start to see things happen. Because basically when you put a timeline on manifestation, you're saying, hey God, look, I'm gonna do this for three years and if it don't happen in three years, I don't believe in it. Mm. Which, is, which is really not belief. That's it, not belief. It, if there's time attached to a belief, correct, then there's no belief. There's no belief. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, re I remember, um, uh, watching a video with Tony Robbins, and Tony Robbins talked about um, a kid, right? Like parents, you know, who have children and trying to, to, to make your child walk, right? And you tell your child, hey, you know, at 10 months, you're gonna walk. Mm -hmm. And you pick the child up at 10 months and the child falls down. Yeah. At what point does the parent, right, say, yeah. you know what? It didn't happen at 10 months, so you're not gonna walk. Yeah. 
you're going to try at 11 months. You're going to try at 12 months. You're going to try and you're going to keep on going because that belief system, I mean, you know, obviously if there's, you know, uh, in any like physical ailments and things of that nature, but, but minus that, if, there, if this is a healthy child, yeah. there is this belief system, there is this expectation that this child will walk. Whether, you know, I have two children, yes. right? My daughter, she started walking at 10 months. Mm-hmm. My son, he started walking at, uh, he was one. He, he was. He was. He had 13, 14 months. Yeah. I never. I didn't look at ten months and say, "Well, TJ did it, so AJ has to do it this time." Yeah. It was this belief system that he's going to walk, and how however long it takes. And so I love that you say that if you're putting a time limit to things, then yeah. then then you don't really believe. Yeah, and the time limits are usually based on you trying to compare your journey to somebody else's. Ooh, talk about that. Comparison is the number one killer of happiness. Ooh, it's yes. the number one killer of happiness. Just because it's happened for your friend who's kind of close to you uh, at the age of 30 doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. Mm. I think Morgan Freeman, he started his acting career in his like 40s or 50s yeah. or something like that, you know? So um, that it, first and foremost is comparison. Um, I had a similar story with my daughter. She... Um, uh, we were at a New Year's Eve party and uh, a, a child her size was there and this child was walking, right? And she was taking a little bit of time to walk. We were like, when is she going to walk, et cetera? She saw this child walking at the New Year's Eve party. Guess what happened the next day? Mm. So there's power in proximity. Wow. There's power in proximity. And so that's why I really believe in mastermind groups and surrounding yourself with people who uh, are on the same, uh, actually not the same level as you. Mm. You actually want to surround yourself with people who are at higher levels than you, right? That doesn't mean always having somebody that's way up at the top. You just need somebody who's one step ahead of you in a specific area of life. So you may have a friend who's ahead of you in your health life, right? You may have a friend who's ahead of you in their uh, romantic and uh, relationship life. You may have a friend who's ahead of you in their financial life. You may have a friend who's ahead of you in their professional life. They can all support you because they're going to up-level you through the power of proximity. But the reality is that um, God actually has nothing else to give to us. Mm. Everything was already baked inside of you uh, when you were born. I'll give you an example. When you throw a toddler, uh, toddler into the water, they automatically know how to swim. Mm. There's a divine intelligence inside of you that, uh, that um, will allow you to achieve everything that it is that you desire to achieve. You have to pick up some skills and things of that nature along the way, but you know there's people who, even with that divine intelligence inside of people, there's people who don't know how to swim. Mm. How do, they, how do they forget how to swim if it was already inside? Mm. So these fears, right, and these uh, limiting beliefs actually stop us from activating the divine intelligence that's already inside of us. Wow. Everybody who does not know how to swim unlearned how to swim, mm. either because they saw somebody drown, they heard enough drowning stories, they had a bathtub experience, et cetera. They unlearned how to swim. Mm. Mm. It was already in there. Mm. I could have thrown you in at six months and you would have just, you would have just, oh, on the back, <laughs> right. just like that. Right. Right. So you unlearned that. Mm. So there, I believe that everything is already inside of you that you need to succeed. Mm. And that when you stay on your path and you're in alignment, all the things that you need and all the people you need, anything that's outside of you will come to you naturally. Mm. You will attract it. And so, um, yeah, it's those limiting beliefs. Uh, I believe that um, it says, be ye childlike. And why does it say be ye childlike? Does it mean just walk, run around and play? No, just having the belief of a child, mm. having the joy of a child. Mm. Right. Um, and uh, for me, what it means to be born again is is not dipping my head in some water. Uh, for me, born again is actually re- returning to that childlike state where we actually get to have fun with this thing called life mm-hmm. as adults. Mm-hmm. We get to take all the wisdom of the journey thus far and get to play again mm-hmm. and actually enjoy this experience that we call life 
um, bring heaven, our mental experience on earth so that those two are aligned and are one. That's when you're actually experiencing heaven. Heaven is not some place you go to in the sky afterwards. Mm. Mm. It's actually here and the kingdom of heaven is here and now mm. for you to experience. And you're either having a heavenly experience of life or a hellish experience of life right here in the present moment. Wow. And so um, that's, what, uh, that's, that's what I believe. Wow, wow, powerful. And then so you, you, talk, you talked about masterminding, right? Yeah. Um, and I know you connected uh, with, with a business partner and you're building something phenomenal in Louisiana. Talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my brother Anthony Kimball and Tevin Wade. We're out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, we raised $3 million through the uh, buyback, uh, buyback Baton Rouge Fund. Developing 160 multifamily units out there right now. Um, I'm there two days a week doing that work and pushing those developments forward. And we wanted to create an opportunity for uh, the community to come together and invest um, together in real estate, a tangible asset. Um, you know, God's first gift to man uh, before life was actually land and there's no more land being made. And so it's really important that we as children of God actually reclaim some of this land and take care of it and be good stewards of it and uh, assets that are on top of it and the people who live in those uh, and live in those properties. And so, um, yeah, we're pushing those developments forward every single day. It was a great demonstration of what it means to actually come together and uh, pull our resources together. Um, and it's just been a, uh, a joy um, not only leading that process, but also taking people on the journey and showing them what group economics looks like and how uh, how things manifest. Real estate, um, uh, especially at this level, is like bamboo. Bamboo grows underground for about seven years, then it sprouts up. And so we're in, the, it's, it's not gonna take seven years, but um, we are in that phase where things are underground. Mm -hmm. But um, we know that in the next few months, well, we're gonna start uh, laying foundations and things of that nature for like our new constructions in particular and some of our bigger projects. And you're gonna see things sprout up. And uh, we're gonna change an entire community, two communities, Eddie Robinson Senior Historic District in Baton Rouge, which is right between um, downtown and the Garden District, and then Scotland, Scotlandville. Those are the two neighborhoods that we're focused on. So we really believe in concentrated uh, uh, community development. Um, a lot of people have real estate portfolios or developments and they're scattered. They're, they got one in this side of Atlanta and then they got another property over here and one over here. We believe that when we focus all the capital stored energy into one area that we're going to get a lot of synergies that occur by it all being in one place. And so those are the two neighborhoods that we're focused on. Wow, wow I love that. Moves. I love that. And so, you know, obviously, I mean, if, if, if whoever's watching, if they're not uh, empowered by this, because you gave some some tangibles, right? Because I think that's the biggest thing, and that's why uh, I wanted to have you on, because there's a lot of people who talk about uh, whether it's religion, whether it's believing in God, whether it's law of attraction, but, but not in a tangible way, right? Mm -hmm. And so, number one, you've been able to manifest masterfully in your life, mm -hmm. first and foremost, and so you're not teaching, this is not theory for you, no. this is like legit, like, this is what I'm doing, and now I'm showing you what I'm doing. Um, but then second, like, you're also giving us tangibles that people could take away. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of young people, you know, watching. Um, and, and even just knowing what you know now, uh, what, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Yeah, so... Um... As an 18-year-old, I would definitely seek to keep my cost of living as low as possible. Mm 
Um, and because uh, that's actually one of the key components of freedom. It's not just how much money you make, but if your cost of living rises with how much money you make, then you're actually not free. You're actually even in more bondage, right? So um, that's one thing that's interesting about uh, our people and our position. If our people, we know how to be joyful off of a very little amount of money. And so that actually means that we're closer to freedom than somebody who needs $10,000 a month. If you can be joyful off of $3,000 a month and somebody else needs $10,000 a month to be joyful, you're actually closer to freedom than they are because you're literally two multifamily properties away mm. from actually being free. So keeping your cost of living down, um, realizing that your formal education has probably failed you. That's a liberal arts education and liberal arts education will cost you. And learning about Shakespeare isn't going to help you in today's world. What you need is liberation arts education. And while you cannot go to the government and get a loan for liber uh, liberation arts education, you need to be investing into your mind more than you perhaps invested in your liberal arts education. So the money that I put into programs, conferences, coaches, masterminds, et cetera, is probably equal to how much I paid to go to my undergrad and graduate institutions. So just don't think that your formal learning has done everything for you and you're good to go and you just get to ride this thing out, but that you're actually gonna to have to keep investing in yourself. And then when it comes to your relationship to money, after you've saved up that emergency fund, right? That emergency fund, after that, um, your job as a steward of the economic resource you've been blessed with is to re-lease money. Mm. R-E hyphen lease. Mm. When you lease something, mm -hmm. right? You still own it, but it's not in your possession. Mm -mm. You still own it, but it's not in your possession. Mm -hmm. So any Benjamin Franklin that comes to me, I lease it out. Mm. Then it comes back to me, and I continue to re-lease re it. You have to let it go. Mm. The game is not the accumulation of money. Mm. It is the circulation of money. Anything that does not circulate is dead. Mm. Right, and, and so and so and so you lose you lose cir circulation in your leg, right? Blood circulation in your leg, you got a dead leg. So anything that's not circulating is dead. Wow, and wow. If if I had to summarize these teachings in one uh, statement, it would be that you have to learn how to let go. What did Anna and Elsa say in the movie Frozen? You got kids. I know they watch mm -hmm. it. Let it go. Let it go. Let's let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. Get your emergency fund, mm. okay? I'm not saying don't say, get your emergency fund. Yep. But everything after that, mm. you have to let it go. Mm. How is your money going to work for you if you're holding on to mm. it? Release. You have to send it out to work for you. Yeah. But we've been taught that, um, taught to chase, paper chase, and what we don't realize, and I don't know how we as a collective haven't seen it, cash is the lowest yielding asset in the entire world. Mm. It is the lowest yielding asset in the entire world, yet it is the one so that- So cash don't rule everything around me, no. can you get the money? No, yeah. and cash does not. Mm. Cash Only is Only cash is king. Only cash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, we got that's you on that. Yeah, yeah. Cash is not king. Yeah. It's actually the opposite. Cash is pawn. Mm. On, and what Nipsey said, we playing chess, not checkers, mm. right? Yeah. The assets are queens. Mm. Queens, mm. women, give mm. birth to kings, which is cash flow. Mm. And those kings lead to cash, Jesus. which is pawns. And in the game of chess, will you sacrifice a pawn for another queen? Absolutely not. Absolutely oh, so. Absolutely, oh, no, no. Absolutely said, so. No, 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 you said you sacrifice the pawn for the queen. I'm sorry. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We will sacrifice pawns, yes. cash, yes. to get another queen. Absolutely, absolutely. Every single day. And so um, that's, that's well, why it's important. Um, the US dollar is 75% cotton. Mm. You know what that means? 
is that we are still picking cotton today. You go out, get your master some bales of cotton, they give you a few and they send you off home. We are still picking cotton today. Mm. So modern day slavery- To this day. To this day. <laughs> modern day slavery is mental and is monetary. Mm. And until you understand that, you will probably stay a slave to this system. Mm. Mm. All right, and, and, so, and, so, and so speaking of systems, right? Um, there's, there's, there's somebody watching right now that working at nine to five. Um, they, you know what I mean, heard you, right? They, they, they heard what you're saying and they're saying, you know what? I got this nine to five right now mm -hmm. and I also have the side hustle. Um, and so what, what, what advice would you give to, to the side hustle, the person who has a nine to five? who is you know, currently starting that, that side hustle. Yeah, or somebody who hasn't, going and getting that first four-figure check mm. um, outside the context of a job is one of the most powerful things that will happen to you in your life. Because mm. you'll realize that you actually have economic value and power outside of an institution that you were trained up to actually go into. And so, um, could keep refining that. For me, my journey, um, the first thing I did when I was working that job before I left in 2009 is I shifted my hours from nine to five to seven to three, mm. okay? Same amount of time, right? What that did for me, it allowed me to get to the office early before anyone else, and I was very productive in that two hours because nobody was emailing me back and forth. But then I would get off at three, the sun would still be out, I would go home, take a nap, mm. eat, and then while everybody else was commuting from work tired, mm. I felt like I had a second half of my day mm. because it was five o'clock, I just rested, and I, that's where I wrote The Eight Cylinder of Success. That's wow. where I wrote my first book. Wow. Simply by shifting my hours, wow. right? Wow. So that was the first, because it's not just about time management, it's about energy management mm. too, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So that's how I shifted my day. Um, and I just encourage you to go sell something. Mm. Go sell something. Mm. Just try, um, because you have to, I had a negative relationship to sales. Um, you know, you get these images of the sleazy car salesman and things of that nature. And what I realized, uh, what helped me is a divine download that I got that sales is simply the process of getting someone to accept help. Mm. Mm. It's not this sleazy thing where you're trying to get over on people. Are there people who sell like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. There are people who try to use all kinds of persuasion tactics and things of that nature. But when it comes down to it, sales is simply the process of getting someone to accept help because you know that you will help them get to their destination faster, safer, and easier than if they go at it alone. Mm. They will make more mistakes without you. And so from that sense, you actually have a moral obligation to sell what you have to somebody who can genuinely help. Mm. And so I encourage people to identify what is, if you have the nine to five, what is the skill set that this job is really paying me for? Mm. And who else might be able to benefit from this skill set that I could sell this skill to independently if I enjoy the skill set. But if you don't enjoy the skill set, then um, uh, I just I encourage you to think about how to create passive income that works for you even while you are at work and while you are asleep. I mean, literally, when you think about $100,000 a year, it sounds like a lot, especially if you're only making 40 or 60 or whatnot. But $100,000 in a year divided by 365 days, and when we're talking about Passive income, meaning income that can come to you at all times of the day and night, um, that's only $274 a day. Mm. Divide that by 24 hours in a day, that's about $11.40 per hour. Divide that by 60 seconds, that's 19 cents per minute. Mm. So everybody who's on a nine to five and wants to get free, who's been on the corporate plantation, I encourage you to ask yourself, write this question on your bathroom mirror. How can I create enough value 
to get 19 cents mm. to come to me mm. every single minute mm. of the day. Mm. That's a big bar. That's a big bar. Focus on that, and, um, and you might not get there in six months, you might not get there in a year, but if you continue to focus on that question, you pose that question to the subconscious mind, because the subconscious mind works for you while you're asleep, mm. right? The conscious mind goes to sleep, but what, what tells you it's time to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Mm. That's your subconscious mind, mm. right? What keeps your heart beating? What keeps you breathing in the middle of the night while your conscious mind is asleep? That's your subconscious mind. What wakes you up with that business idea at 3 a.m.? That is your subconscious mind knocking on the conscious mind, hey, wake up, I got an idea, I finally got the answer. Mm. So you pose that question, how can I get 19 cents? How can I create enough value in the world to get 19 cents to come to me every single minute of the day for the rest of my life? And your subconscious mind will actively seek an answer for you 24-7 until it finds one. All right, dope, powerful, powerful stuff. And so, you know, this is inside the vault and like literally inside the vault. Mm. Um, and so we like to do a lightning round mm. uh, where we take, uh, you know, some banking terms and just kind of throw them out there real, real quick and tell you, you know, you tell us what it means, right, to you. And so uh, number one, is deposit slip. And you know, deposit slip, when you deposit money into a bank, uh, you're putting money inside. But for us, deposit slip is when you slipped up. So give me um, a time where you you know made a deposit slip. You, you, you made a mistake with money. Yeah, so it wasn't really a time. It was really the beginning of my business. Um, I, I thought that money was meant to be accumulated. And so when I was growing my business, I was actually maximizing my profits. And, um, and at the end of the year, I would be happy, but then I would get taxed. Mm. And uh, as I matured as an entrepreneur, I realized that um, taxes actually incentivized me to reinvest in my business. Mm. And so I started approaching um, my last quarter differently by trying to say, how can I actually reinvest as much into my business so that I can reduce my tax liability rather than that money just evaporating on January 1st at 1 a.m., right? Ooh, so that. that was huge for me. I love that. I love that. All right, let's do cancel check, right? So cancel check. You write a check. There's not enough in the account to, to yeah. you know, mm -hmm. for it to, uh, for it to clear, and so that they cancel it. And so for us, cancel check is a is a mindset or some or people or something that you had to cancel while you were on your journey. Uh, the major thing that I had to cancel on my journey was thinking that I could do it alone. Mm. Um, especially we are in this uh, world of solopreneurship or self-employment, and I realized that self-employment was just a glorified job. Mm. And in some cases, if you do it wrong, it can be worse than your job mm. because uh, everything is tied to you and you're wearing all these different hats. And so I learned how to hire the right people um, either in the organization or find the right consultants and coaches to execute on things that I didn't enjoy doing or that I wasn't great at, and that allowed me to expand and focus on my wheelhouse and where I was the strongest. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then last but not least, trust account, right? Trust account. You know, everybody wants to be the trust fund baby where they have the funds and they have something to lean on. Uh, so when we think about trust account, you know, you know, who are those people um, that, that, that you add into your trust account during your journey? Yeah, I did not get here alone. Mm. Um, there are many people whose shoulders I'm standing on. Um, and it's not just one mentor, it's actually various mentors, mm. people who are my age, people who are older than me, that I call for very specific things. Mm. Like this person is great at this, mm. this person is great at this. So it's not one mentor that I rely on for everything. Mm. There are specific people that I know to reach out to when I feel stuck or blocked in a certain space, um, from spiritual guidance to financial, to entrepreneurship, to marketing, uh, to real estate, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that, they make up my trust account. Oh, I love that. Like, like when you put out your book, you call the book guru. Uh, yeah. You got the book coach, but that's, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Okay, yeah. All right, so Julian, go ahead. We appreciate you, brother. Thank brother, you. I, like, I knew that this was powerful. I yeah. know, like, I don't even have to guess. I know that everybody watching this 
has gotten something special out of here. So I, I appreciate you, brother. You know, infinite blessings. What's next for Julian Gordon? I'm so excited about Rich and Righteous book. It can, just came out. I'm so excited about it. Uh, you know, we had already had tons of pre-orders, but it's spreading across the country right now. It's catching that wave, and people are really being impacted by it. So um, I just want to expand that and get that wealth consciousness out into the world to shift our community from poverty consciousness to wealth consciousness before we start adding more financial strategies onto uh, their plate. Um, and then, of course, I'm focused on uh, getting to 300 um, multifamily closers. Um, that was Harriet Tubman's number. Um, uh, right now we're at 100 and I'm looking to get to 300. So I'm doing everything in my power to help my students in the multifamily movement get to 300. So no, I love that. I love that. And so uh, if somebody wanted to connect with you uh, to be part of the multifamily movement, where can they find you? Yeah, I do a free webinar periodically at multifamilymasterplan.com. That's multifamilymasterplan.com, uh, where they can learn how to uh, finance, find, and finalize multifamily real estate deals. And the book will be at uh, moneyandmanifestation.com. That's moneyandmanifestation.com. Make sure y'all follow, you know, Julian Gordon. He's really going to change your life. As a matter of fact, is there any, like, you know, special special thing you can give <laughs> for the inside the vault? Because, you know, my, my, my people like the support, yeah. but, you know, they, they, they want to be taken care of as well. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, uh, we just increased the price for the program, but um, uh, what I'll do is for your folks, um, wherever you end up posting this, um, I'll make sure that they get a discount code that I I'll send out to you um, to put wherever you put it, and, and they'll get a little special gift, you know, so that they can keep money in their pocket. You're going to need some money in this process for your appraisal and for your inspection. And so I'd rather just give that back to you so uh, that's easier for everybody to start making their offers on their multifamily property. So I'll put that information out and give you a discount code. All right, so make sure, look, check check the description, check the link in the bio. We got you. Julian Gordon, what's your uh, social media? Where can they find you? Yes, J-U-L-L-I-E-N, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. Um, you can find me on Instagram. And click the link in my bio, and then all my other stuff is there. So, again, that's J-U-L-L-I-E-N, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. Another classic interview inside the vault with Ash Cash. Thank you so much for tapping in. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure... You stay in touch with us. Make sure you watch us. Next episode is, is going to be fire. We're going to keep bringing you fire. I appreciate you. Till next time, in God's will, peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.